Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. We are so thrilled you have found your way here. And we're even more thrilled to be sharing with you stories from Chicago's Andersonville neighborhood. We want this podcast to bring Andersonville to life in a new way. We'll be talking with business owners, longtime and new residents, elected officials, change makers, and more to hear how they found their way to Andersonville and how their experience has shaped their lives. You might ask, why do a podcast about a neighborhood? What is so special about this small enclave in the middle of Chicago? Well, we do think there's a lot special about Andersonville, but we also think that there's both something unique and universal about working, living, and visiting somewhere that has a sense of place. We think that sense of place is derived from a rich and celebrated history, from an engaged community and engaged citizens, from the blood, sweat, and tears of entrepreneurs, and even from how a physical street or sidewalk is planned or purposed. All these things contribute to a strong sense of place. When you arrive in Andersonville, you feel you have arrived somewhere different, somewhere special. The short and sweet history of Andersonville is this. The area, then Cherry Orchards, dates back to the 1850s. The Andersonville School was built in 1854 at the corner of Clark and Foster, still our most well-known intersection. After the famed Great Chicago Fire of 1871, wooden homes were outlawed in Chicago. And Swedish immigrants who could not afford to build homes of stone or brick began to move outside of the city's northern limits, surrounding Clark Street. And before long, the entire commercial strip was dominated by Swedish businesses, from delis to hardware stores, shoe stores to blacksmiths and bakeries to realty companies. Like many other urban neighborhoods, people began to move to the suburbs during the Depression and post-war periods. And concerned about the deteriorating commercial situation, the Uptown Clark Street Business Association renewed its commitment to its Swedish heritage by renaming itself the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. In 1964, Andersonville was rededicated in a ceremony attended by Chicago Mayor Richard J. Daley and the governor. In the following summer, the annual Swedish tradition of celebrating the summer solstice blossomed into Midsummerfest, which now, in its 53rd year, mark your calendars, June 8th through the 10th, has grown into one of Chicago's largest and most popular street festivals. A mix of business ownership developed in Andersonville, and Koreans, Lebanese, Mexicans all opened businesses. And many of the Swedish businesses remain too, serving the remaining second and third generation Swedes, as well as the new arrivals to the neighborhood. The Swedish American Museum was founded in 1976 by Kurt Mathiasen, an effort to preserve and celebrate the history of the great contributions of early Swedish immigrants to Chicago. The museum was open to the public in a ceremony attended by the King of Sweden, who returned in 1988 to dedicate new and larger quarters at 5211 North Clark Street, where the museum is located today. In the late 1980s, Andersonville began a period of revival as new groups discovered its lovely housing stock, easy access to downtown Chicago and the lakefront, and the unique commercial district. 
A large lesbian and gay population developed, spurred by the opening of such businesses as Women and Children First, a bookstore focusing on feminist authors and topics. New gift shops and ethnic eateries opened and gave Clark Street a new commercial vitality and diversity. It also became a neighborhood known for starting a business. Alamo Shoes opened in 1973 and is still going strong today. In 1987, Jan Baxter opened the landmark of Andersonville, incubating retailers long before it was the trendy thing to do. Jan's store launched many women and locally owned shops that still call Andersonville home today. The restaurant scene has exploded in recent years, and it is also a destination for art, culture, and nightlife. Andersonville has become a magnet for all kinds of families. There's a strong sense of unity in the neighborhood, a friendliness that has led more than one observer to note, it's sort of like Mayberry. So next week's episode, we're going to have a short quiz. Just kidding, but we hope you enjoyed hearing a little about our community's past. With our rich history as a foundation, we feel Andersonville's present is strong and that our future is even stronger. We as a neighborhood continue to uphold equality and that Andersonville is a place for everyone. We also continue to uphold localism and that where we spend our money matters. Almost 15 years ago, we commissioned a study that showed that money spent in a locally owned business recirculated in the local economy much more than a dollar spent in a chain store. This study has helped communities across the nation build up programs that support small local businesses. This data has even been used by American Express to launch Small Business Saturday. Nowadays, you could swap chain for Amazon and be led back to the ongoing truth that it's our independent businesses that truly help build and benefit our communities. This is true in Andersonville and again, while we feel we're unique, we are also universal. Thanks again for being here. We hope that you stay tuned for so many wonderful stories about Andersonville and the people and businesses that make it. This podcast is truly for anyone and everyone, whether you've come to Andersonville only once or have lived here for 50 years. We hope to share fun stories and tidbits that you might have never heard before. And if you are new to Andersonville, we hope this podcast will help you explore and discover what makes Andersonville special. We want to say hello from the Andersonville Chamber staff. Hi, I'm Sarah Dinges. Hi, I'm Joelle Shalia. Hello, I'm Laura Austin. Hi, I'm Danny Dries. Hi, I'm David Oaks. Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura Austin. And I'm Sarah Dinges. We are joined today by Michael Bransford. Michael is the owner of Vincent, an American bar and bistro with an intimate, charming dining room and robust menu located at 1475 West Balmoral. Vincent is best known for its warm smiles and different styles of muscles. Welcome, Michael. We are so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you. And uh, we heard that you just had some dental work. How are you feeling? I did. I just had it. And so I'm drooling a bit, but uh, you can't see it. So that's, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing this is a podcast. No pain. Uh, Yeah. That's good for our listeners. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Michael, you've lived in New York, San Francisco, and Hawaii, but decided to settle in Chicago and open your restaurant in Andersonville. Tell us about your career path. How did you get your start? Well, that's a big question. I, uh, I wouldn't say I decided uh, on Chicago. It, it kind of just happened. Um, uh, but I'll tell you a little bit about my, my career. I always worked in restaurants. I, um, when I lived in New York, I went to school and I tried to get out of restaurants, but uh, I always ended up back in them. Um, and I worked for a man named Danny Meyer, who's, um, I think, considered by many to be the number one restaurateur. Kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, he was kind of... At the time, he only had two restaurants when I started working for him. Now he's got, I don't know how many. And I only say that because I saw him on Top Chef last night. <laughs> <laughs> really? I didn't realize he was on Top Chef. I mean... Guest judge, I, I believe. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> He uh, um, was an amazing man to work for. And uh, so when I after I worked for him, I decided that I wanted to kind of stay in that world. Um, before that, restaurants were always just like uh, means to an end. Um, but I, tr I continued just working in restaurants and traveled a little bit until I en ended up in Chicago, um, which at first I didn't like. I came from New York City. I thought the Midwest was strange. So I uh, went to Hawaii and then decided to come back to buy Vincent after having been here. Um, not knowing what to expect, I'd never owned a restaurant, and I fell in love with that and the community that it happened to be in. But it was all by, it was all just an opportunity I jumped at without thinking too much. So, so you kind of ended up here a little bit by chance. A and bit, maybe a you didn't bit. choose it, but do you remember what it felt like to open a business in Andersonville? Or do you remember what your first day was like at uh, the restaurant? Yeah, this, okay, you're going to think that, this, that was the worst day of my life. The, the, <laughs> oh, it was, no. I had never done it before. We were so busy. Uh, anytime something new opens in Andersonville, it attracts a lot of attention because it's a little bit of a sleepy you know, neighborhood. And so when something opens, it's very exciting for everybody. And we had a line down the block. We were not ready. Um, and uh, we'd only been in the space two weeks. And um, the grease trap exploded, and uh, the sh one of the chefs quit, and uh, we were packed. I mean, it was just, it was the most stressful night I've ever had there. So it's just gotten better since the first day. But opening it was really amazing. Um, it was the beginning of my um, love for the neighborhood, you know, the way everyone kind of rallied behind us and checked in on us. I, I, from coming from New York, I wasn't expecting that at all. Really, like I, I, like I thought people wanted something from me. Like, why are you, why are you asking me how I am? You know, <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you want from me? But they were just wanted to help, you know. And so, yeah, it was pretty cool. And where yeah. did the name uh, Vincent come from? Well, we when we opened, we were Dutch. So my best friend and I opened it, and uh, he is Dutch, and he cooked Dutch food, which. Um, Everybody was like, why are you opening a Dutch restaurant? Dutch food is not good, including all the Dutch expats who live here in Chicago. There's a large Dutch community here, really large. It's outside, actually the biggest outside of Holland. And um, they all came up here and made fun of us. Like, don't, like this Dutch food is not good. Um, so <laughs> we wanted to name it something Dutch. Uh, and there were seven partners in the beginning. Now there's just me. And... Uh, we couldn't come up with something we all agreed on. Um, we went from really ridiculous names like the potato eaters and this and that into 
one day right before we opened, someone said, how about Vincent? Because it was the name of their cat. So, but it's also Vincent van Gogh, kind of. Sure. It's also the most popular um, male name in Holland. So we went with Vincent. Sounds like how my husband and I decided to name our son, which was we couldn't agree on any name except for Theo, which Theo, was which the name Vincent's of Vincent's brother. brother yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Vin- like, pota- what did you say? Potato. The potato eaters. Which the is potato the, eaters. Which is was that another Vincent choice for you, Sarah? It's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a Vincent Van Gogh painting. Okay. So we were trying to get around calling it Vincent, I guess, for a minute, but it ended up being Vincent, and I like that it was just a name, and it didn't really make too much it's very sense. Very clean. And yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just Vincent. I liked it. It seemed kind of hip or cool at the time. Uh, I think it still no. is. Uh, yeah. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. What are your um, day-to-day responsibilities as a restaurant oh, owner? Geez. Um, well, they change every day because I feel like it's so unpredictable. Um, I mean, the first thing I do is, you know, check the restaurant. Like, I go to the restaurant (laughs) physically every morning and make sure it's still there. Like, I'm not lying to you. And then um, I sort of work from there and, uh, you know, check the numbers. Um, I have a list of stuff that I have to get through, but you never know what's going to come up. Um, Like, my day is completely different than I thought it was going to be today. Um, I mean, I have my scheduled things like this interview, but... (laughs) Um, after this, I'm going to Restaurant Depot because the chef forgot to get fries. And one of the waiters called in sick, so I'm training a new person. You know, So it, it changes all the time. I feel like my job really is to just support whatever chaos ensues <laughs> at the restaurant. And uh, I feel like every day my motivation is to get ready for a dinner party. So that's how, kind of how I approach the day. And you've had dinner parties. You know how that's like. It's like, oh, we forgot the spoon. So... That we can't serve ham now because Peggy's coming and she won't eat ham, you know. So it's like that. Um, that's how I kind of approach every day. So it's hard to answer that question. Sure. There's a Swedish word, "jeminskap," and it is best described as a feeling of belonging. How has owning a business in Andersonville and what we like to call the Andersonville experience changed your mindset about the importance of community? That's it awesome question that I can't talk enough about. Uh, First of all, I've never heard that word. It reminds me of something we used to use in Dutch when we opened called gezellig, which means warm and like hospitable. And it's kind of like community, like a gathering of warm souls, you know, and uh, that was our whole idea. And uh, I think we've tried to maintain that. We don't serve Dutch food, but we've tried to maintain that sort of Dutch um, sentiment. Um, So yeah, and that's exactly how I think of Andersonville and community, and uh, it's completely unexpected. Um, when I got here, I thought having a restaurant was all about getting on the lists, and it is in New York City. You know, you want to make sure that you are on the Eater 38, which we were for a while, and you want to make sure that you, you know, Phil Vitell thinks you're great, and, you know, you want all these accolades, that, um, and then people will come to you. I didn't expect to actually curate relationships with uh, people in the neighborhood. So like most of our business is people that come back once or twice a week, you know, um, to eat there. So it was all about developing those relationships. Even though we made the lists, um, it didn't mean people were going to come or not. You know, you had to really adapt to um, the community. And uh, 
the longer we did that and the more entrenched I felt in that community, the more I wanted to be a part of it and give back. And, you know, um, yeah, it's completely unexpected. I used to think the word community was kind of cheesy. Now I think it's what makes the world go round. Yeah. That's beautiful. And oh, kind thanks. of... and kind of in that vein uh you have developed strong partnerships and i would say friendships with other businesses like deflowered bakery your next door neighbor norcross and scott also on a side street in andersonville oh yeah can you side streets yeah step we're like stepchildren yeah (laughs) or or just (laughs) gems hidden gems um just just other branches (laughs) off of a very strong tree (laughs) yeah can you tell us a little bit more about those relationships and how they have impacted you and your business? Yeah. Uh, well, specifically, those two uh, I'm particularly close to uh, because they opened up uh, uh, either right, right after or around when I did. So, um, look, I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know really what I'm doing. You know, uh, um, and I... I go to people for help, you know, and they're, they're very approachable, both of them. Uh, and they were in the same boat, so we would come into each other's spaces during the day and talk about, what does this mean? Like, what, what, hap- what do you do when this happens, you know? And so we formed a friendship that way based on, uh, I don't know, uh, helping each other out, you know? Uh, that's, that's, that's what that was, you know? And Johanna is right next door to me from DeFlowered, and she sells pastries that are amazing so i'm in there every day just eating anyways so um we developed a friendship over that way too but like you know i need to borrow sugar she needs to borrow sugar you know it's just just like neighbors you know yeah yeah that's sweet you've emphasized community service as well um in your career and giving back through your restaurant having opened your business on monday nights when you're closed for nonprofit fundraisers and held a badminton charity night in the street. What other projects are you currently working on? Um, well, we are planning very very soon, uh, April 26th, I think. I just planned it last night with a kid who's doing all these uh, underground vegan um, high-end uh, five-course tasting menus. So we're going to do that on Monday, April 26th. I hope I got the date right, April 26th. I'm really excited about it. He's really talented. Um, and it seems to be, it doesn't seem to be a trend that's going away, these underground um, dinners that pop up in various places. So that's pretty fun, you know. And we use the Monday, we use Monday nights because the space is there, all the equipment's there for any pet projects that the staff might have or the community might have. Um, somebody's using the space. Um, um, there's a woman's group that's going to do like a, like a variety show there in a couple, in a couple months. Um, okay. I, I wish I had the information in front of me. Sorry. Um, I can of course get it to you, but, um, we're going to keep doing the badminton tournament, um, every couple years, uh, to raise money for local charities. Um, we are a lot of the staff and some of the regulars are running the marathon this year. So we are going to have a night where we do, um, a charity event to raise money for whatever charity we pick to run for. Um, so nothing specific besides the vegan tasting menu, but we do use the space for any number of things. It's available. I see it as being available to the community for anything that we could do, basically. 
Is there anything else coming up on your spring menu that you wanted to highlight or that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, there is a roast chicken with mustard spetzel um, and like fried kale. That looks, I, I had it yesterday. It, it tastes amazing. I just hope they can get it out consistently <laughs> and have it taste exactly like that every time. But I've wanted a roast chicken on the menu for a long time. And we've had, we had the same chef for five years and we've had several in the past two and a half years. Um, it's like a, it's hard to find uh, someone that you can work that closely with. Um, and the new chef is doing a beautiful roast chicken that I'm really excited about, so... Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a, a lot of wonderful businesses in Andersonville. Is there a neighborhood business here that you would like to trade places with for a day? Um, I, I, well, I think the retail uh, section of Andersonville is fantastic. So when I need a break, um, I do go walk around. And uh, some of my favorite stores like Martha May and Beautiful Things, uh, I wouldn't want to be in her store because I'd be afraid I'd mess something up. But um, uh, Matt Bucilla, Matt Bucilla's new store, Cowboys and Astronauts, I love it in there. And I kind of would love, I love his taste and I would love to, you know, have his job for a day where I could shop for those types of things um, and buy them and put them together on shelves and arrange them. That sounds very um, soothing to me. Uh, I, so sometimes when I'm feeling like my business is too chaotic, I go over there and kind of think about that. <laughs> yeah. Pretend for a minute. Yeah. It's so great to hear your story. And huh. I feel like you have such a special journey and that is um, felt every day and evening when you walk into Vincent. The Thank space you. just feels really special. And I'm just curious as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a restaurant owner, as somebody so community minded as you are, what would you say if you could speak to your 25-year-old self? Oh, what, man. what would you what's like one or two sentences that you Ugh. would you would tell we that just person? revealed that you aren't 25. Yeah, yeah. true. Most people think I am. Yeah, I look 25. We can change the question to 18-year-old <laughs> self if that would feel better. <laughs> um, Tell my 25-year-old self. Well, I don't know, you know, because my, you're like my, you're right, my path and most people's paths is unexpected, right? You don't know. I didn't plan for this. This was never, this was never my dream when I was a kid. I wanted, you know, other, other things. Um, I don't, God, that is a really hard question. If you were to ask me what I would tell people who wanted to get into this business, can I change the question a little bit? I think you just did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really don't know what I would tell myself because I'm I'm really happy where I ended up and I don't regret anything, which is a great place to be, right? You know, so I, I wouldn't tell myself anything, you know, maybe to like, you know, take it a little bit easier, not take things so seriously, you know? That's my, what I tell myself. What I would tell someone who wanted to do what I'm doing, it might be a different story. I think that was a great answer. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Thanks. <laughs> Well, Michael, thank you so much for being with us today. Is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? I truly, truly love Andersonville. I'm, I'm, I feel blessed to have, to be here. Like I've been put here twice, accidentally. The first time, I also didn't choose to really move here, and I, uh, I'm shocked by it. It just hit me one day. I was walking down the street, and I was like, "Oh, this place is amazing! Like it's got everything you could possibly want. It's even got a beach. You know, like I mean, it's got everything." So I, uh, 
I, I, I do feel really blessed to, to live here, and I'm probably never leaving. So, Well, that accident is also our gift. Oh, thanks, so Sarah. it's great to have you thank here, you. and obviously Vincent as well. Yes, thank you. Well, thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For show notes and more information about Vincent, please visit andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is recorded by Transistor Chicago, located in the heart of Andersonville at 5224 North Clark Street. Mm-hmm.